morning, everyone. Uh, morning today, Mike Rhodes. How are you, Mike? I'm very good, Mark. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, look, it's great chatting. I love always, uh, Mike, the opportunity to catch up with you. So, everyone, welcome to today, the power of great questions. And uh, Mike's no stranger to this topic. Uh, Mike's chapter 10 in the book, The Power of Great Questions, which we wrote a few years ago. And uh, lovely to have you back again. Mike, and I, I know you've got some great questions for um, you want to, we want to talk about today, but I, just by way of introduction, and I, I used this as the, this expression last time and you, uh, you disclaimed it, but I, you're the Google guru, right? You really don't like the word guru, but um, yeah, I've been doing Google Ads for 17 years. Um, so I run an agency now looking after Google Ads, Facebook Ads, you know, just growing businesses basically is all I've loved doing my whole life. So that's what yeah. we do now for brands all around the world, mainly in Australia and the US, mostly running Google Ads and Facebook Ads, a few other bits and pieces. Absolutely. Now, your, your business is good. You've got a business called Agency Savvy now as well as, uh, as Web Savvy. Yes. Is that a different direction you've headed off in? Or? Yeah, so I discovered pretty early on that I'm a teacher at heart. So when I first discovered Google AdWords, it was called back then, 2004, I basically rushed out and tried to teach everybody I knew about this amazing thing. And for every 10 people I spoke to, nine said, mate, I don't really care how it works, just do it for me. Yeah. But I would be trying to teach. And so that thread has always been there. Um, I've been running workshops and, and teaching people how to do Google Ads since 2007, 2008, so 13 odd years now. So Agency Savvy is where we teach other agencies how to do what we do. So we teach a few hundred competitors, essentially, around the world uh, how to do what we do on the Google Ads, Facebook side. Then we also bring in some amazing experts like Tom Breeze to do YouTube and Chris Mercer to do data and analytics type stuff. So really just helping other agencies experience the growth that we have and, and help many, many more businesses as a result of that. Mike, that, that's interesting because, uh, and I'm just going to hang up if I may. This, and I'm just putting this up. This is your uh, your book. I happen to have one right here, Mark. Funny you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny I should mention that. So uh, you've you've written a book, and I'm going to come back to what you've, you've just talked about in your introduction. But you've you've uh, co-authored a book called The Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords, and it is a world bestseller. I I understand that. Uh, and you should be very proud of that. And uh, But I love the tagline, and, and the tagline, if I can just go back to it, seeing you're not holding it up anymore, is is how to access 100 million people in 10 minutes. And, and that just might, that, that's absolutely mind-boggling to me, but it's uh, it, it obviously uh, is what you can do with Google AdWords, and uh, and obviously you're, you're helping a lot of people. And, and it's interesting that most of the people, and, and in Dan Sullivan's speak, which we'll come to, yeah, uh, you know, you're you're an industry transformer because you're actually you're coaching your competitors, aren't you? You're 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 actually the person who's coaching the people who are at the top of the game in what you do. Yeah, we've got an amazing range inside of agency savvy people that have never been inside a Google Ads account before and want to learn, and then we do have yeah some of the absolute best in the world. But I'm learning from them as much as they're learning from me. I'm sure it keeps me on my game keeps me sharp. Um, it's a great place to bounce ideas around. You know, they can ask a question, but then we'll also share ideas. And you know, at the moment, there's a lot of stuff happening. You've probably heard of this little spat going on between Apple and Facebook and yes. Google and a few others are being brought into this. You know, the, the way we track 
the way we target ads online is going to go through a massive change this year. And there's a lot happening. So yeah, I'm getting sort of snippets from different people and we get to chat about it on our monthly calls. And it's, it's, it's been great for me <laughs> as much as I'm sure it's good for them. Look, absolutely. And it's one of the interesting things. Obviously, your your book, The Ultimate Guide, it must be continually being updated because, you know, every every few months there's things changing in your world. Yeah. Well, that's that's how Agency Savvy started. So I got involved with the book on the fourth edition. Perry and Brian asked me to sort of write the, the technical piece for the update back in 2013 because, yeah, this book has been updated every two or three years because, as you say, it, it changes all the time. And we, you know, three months of hard work, you finish a manuscript, you send it off to the, the publisher, and then literally a week later, Google made this massive change, and we had to go, oh, literally hold the press, <laughs> grab that back from them. I had to rewrite three chapters, <sighs> sent that back in, collapse in a heap, and then two months later, Google changed another thing and another. And then by the time the book came out, which is about nine months after that, there were chunks of it that are, I mean, we tried very hard to make it evergreen, but there were chunks of it that were a little bit out of date. Um, and that's when the idea for Agency Savvy started of, you know, I've done 35 mind maps to write the book. I've recorded all of this content. Let's package that up and, and use that content. But then we can add to that when these new things come out so we can have the world's most up-to-date training resource for Google Ads. And that's what we've really been building over the last, gosh, seven, eight years, I guess it is now. Yeah, and, and you've done it. I know you've done a fantastic job, Mike, and you've just helped so many so many people, so many businesses, and it's it's a real credit to you. And I, there's so many things we've touched on already. I, I sort of want to, dare I use the word, circle back to, but uh, <laughs> I want to come back to. Um, so there's the book, there's the agency savvy, but one of the things I really picked up early is I've always had this thing that you were a guy that did the Google Ads word, AdWords uh, marketing, and uh, so those that do, and it was kind of the question was going to be like, tell me, people that do Facebook ads, people that do YouTube ads and so on. But what you're saying is that, that basically through your services, you, you try and combine all three in some ways or in some circumstances. And that depend on the person? Does that depend on the, on the business you're dealing with? It depends what the business needs. Absolutely. So we have some clients that are Facebook only. Um, they're just not a good fit for Google, or maybe they've got somebody else running Google for them. Most of our clients uh, have come to us for Google Ads. It's, it's what we're known for, although Trevor and his team are um, world-class at Facebook ads. I still know very, very little about Facebook ads all this time later. But yes, yeah, some of them will need YouTube or display ads, you know, banner ads. Most of the time we're running search and shopping ads for clients. There are so many retailers out there that are running ads on Facebook for their e-commerce store, Shopify store, that have never tried Google Shopping ads. And you know, if that's you listening, please, please try Google Shopping because it is an amazing place. Your customers are going to Google to find the things that you sell and you can pop up in front of them and only pay if your ad's interesting enough to that person for them to click on it. I mean, it, it, that's the way it's worked for 20 years and there are still so few businesses that make use of it um, it is just, yeah, it's a great way to grow businesses. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to talk to you offline about all this stuff because at the moment, Mike, and you'll be interested to hear. I mean, I'm, uh, my uh, agency have taken me down. We're doing a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of ads for rural succession solutions on Facebook, and so you know, I'm spending 
you know, a, a significant amount of money each month on Facebook ads, but I'm, I'm really yeah. interested in now having a chat with you about uh, getting involved and if one of your guys can help me maybe look at the uh, Google AdWords because, uh, you know, in rural Australia, uh, people, and, and, and I, I now want to turn back and say that the topic of what we're talking about is the power of great questions, and Google actually is, isn't it, about questions. Isn't it just? Uh, yeah. When you we, ask... When you ask the internet a question, it's Google that goes away and finds the answer for you. So, and and we ask it all manner of questions, right? We ask questions of Google. We ask for information that we might not talk to our spouse about, or our team about, or our you know higher power, whatever you believe in. You know, you yeah. we ask Google the most <laughs> interesting questions, very very personal questions sometimes, um, and it always seems to have the answer most absolutely, of the time. Absolutely. Now, I, I, I do want to come back to uh, your, I asked you as part of this, I mean, understand, as you do, being in the original book, the thesis behind the power of great questions when we first wrote the, uh, the, the original book was that it's not what you tell people, it's the questions you ask that elicits the greatest information out of, out of people you have conversations with. You, you agree with that, don't you? Absolutely. I, the, the older I get, the more I realise it is all about the questions, not not necessarily about the answers, but the right question can just unlock so much. Well, look, absolutely. And, and if you're a, t a teacher, as you are, I mean, hmm. there's teachers who stand on, the, on, the, on the, the throne, so to speak, and say, you know, this is what it is, learn this, learn this. But, but the great teachers are the ones that get you to discover things for yourselves by asking yes. the right sort of questions. And, and, I'm, and I'm going to come back to your question that you've sent me, and I'm going to focus on the first one. And uh, do you, would you like to, to go through it, the, the one about your business? Right. So how do you become the business that would put you out of business? I, so, love, I actually love that question. And that's how we met, right? I asked, I stood up as a, I had been on stage, I think, earlier that day. And then yep. Brian Dice was on stage asking the crowd for questions. So I stood up a bit cheekily and, you know, hi, you might know me from such places as your stage. And asked him this very question, and I remember you were sitting over there, basically front row on on my right, because you just went, turned round and went, "I'm talking to you later." And we did. We ended up having a lovely chat on the back of a boat round Sydney Harbour later on that, that evening. Yeah, we absolutely did. And I just love that question: How do you become the business which would put you out of business? And you know, no matter how, because no matter how well you think you've got your business structured and how well you're marketing it and so on. Uh, you know, two, three years from now, if someone smarter comes along, asks the right sorts of questions and, and, and works out a different way to, to look at your market, yeah, what, what would that be so that we're always one step ahead? Because it, it's, the world's always changing. You know, we've all heard the stories of, yeah, the Kodaks and the blockbusters of, of the world, but yep. your business will wither and die unless you don't make changes to it. So what are those changes going to be? And try this on for size. The world right now is never going to get slower. This is the slowest the world is ever going to be for us here today. It's only going to get faster from here because we all feel like at the moment, like things are a little crazy. Well, it only is going to accelerate more the convergence of all of these different technologies coming together. So, yeah, how are you planning for that? How are you thinking about the future and, and what are you doing and are you building your own skunk works to attack your own business you know play red team blue team what are the things that are going to happen in your industry 
that could be existential for you. I mean, six months ago, Google almost left Australia. That would have been a bit bad for our agency. Um, <laughs> a little? Just a little. That was an existential one. Didn't happen. That was, a, that was not a good week around here. Um, and there are, yeah, there are big external things like that. And obviously COVID last year put a bunch of businesses out of business, but many, many more pivoted really quickly and found different ways and tried a whole bunch of different things and just, just to survive. And some of them have absolutely come out of that with this, a whole new business going, God, why didn't we do this before? Because the forcing function of everything that happened last year caused that, but you don't have to wait for another global pandemic. Um, you can ask yourself the question now and, and start to, to, to do, yeah, everybody's heard of a post-mortem, but to do a pre-mortem, either on a new project, but, but even on your business as a whole, you know, play the game of, we're sitting here three years from now looking back, and the opposite of the R-factor question, but we're sitting here three years from now looking back, geez, why did it fail? What went horribly wrong? What happened that just knocked us sideways? We, we didn't see that coming, and now we're sitting here looking at a pile of rubble. What was it? Because yeah. our brains are much easier at going to the negative than going to the positive yes. sometimes. And if you yeah. sit around with your team in front of a whiteboard and ask that question, role-playing from three years out into the future, looking back at the pile of rubble, you're probably going to come up with a dozen different ways that something went sideways. Um, yeah. And then you can start doing something about that proactively. Look, absolutely. And whilst this is about you today, Michael, just quickly my own experience from what happened in COVID. I mean, my business is very much about uh, human relationships, people, you know, dealing with rural uh, people who work on sheep, cattle, properties, farmers and all that sort of stuff. They're guys that want to look you in the eye, shake your hand, talk to you face to face. And when COVID struck and I was locked down at uh, Main Beach on the Gold Coast, three months, my business just died in three months. I had absolutely no new clients, no new income for three months. But I took that three months, and you will be proud of me here. I took that three months to uh, uh, to, to reinvent, and and, uh, and I, I hooked into some uh, uh, some guys I've been working with, and we put together Facebook campaigns and funnels and all these things. And, and I was sitting there thinking, uh, and you know, everyone was telling me, you know, bushies will not talk to you via Facebook. And, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, uh, within three months, we were up and running. We'd worked out one thing. Uh, that we stopped advertising to men. We advertised only to women because right. men weren't clicking in. Men were looking but not clicking. And the women, and when you think about what I do, succession planning and so on, women are the ones probably more likely to be concerned if dad dies, what's going to happen to them. And, yeah. and so we we got all these statistics. We started marketing to women and, and I've had the best 12 months that I've ever had off the wow. back of Facebook ads and a bit of a, a few opportunities of still doing the face-to-face -face stuff. But my... Business has transformed, and who would have thought that? And, and mm. I think with a lot of businesses, and you'll verify this, is we've uh, we've advanced probably five, six, seven years worth of, of evolution in uh, you know eight to twelve months, haven't we? Oh, you know, absolutely. In some industries, it's 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 a decade that got squished into less than a year. So for for some industries, we're now in twenty thirty, effectively looking forward and all of that change that would have happened relatively slowly and we would have adjusted to it bang it's here <sighs> we're not very good at dealing with change although you know one big lesson for me i took from last year is how quickly we normalize how quickly Absolutely. it became normal to cycle into the office with nobody on the road 
walk out at lunchtime, everybody's wearing masks, and that was just normal, and homeschooling never became normal, but anyway, um, <laughs> that was pretty hard uh, for three months, or six months, it was two terms in the end. But, but now, we're on the other side of it, sort of, here in Australia, and yep. we can't quite imagine going back to, to, to homeschooling and, and all of that. So we, we really do normalise quickly. Look, Sorry, not to take you off on that tangent, but... No, 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 but you're, you're absolutely on point because what it's done is normalise the fact that people now trust um, uh, being able to make relationships work over the... Uh, yeah, meeting people over Facebook ads or Google ads or whatever it is, and and I think that's been a huge transformation for a lot of people who were grateful and who still want the face to face when they can. Yes, they now they now trust the the ability to be able to have a Zoom call or one of these calls like we're doing now, and uh, and this is an acceptable way of, of building relationships with uh, with people. And I tell you what, what it's taught me is is how you know when I look forward three years from today. Boy, the opportunity, you know, if I can hook in with guys like you who are now doing, you know, from a Google point of view, I'm doing Facebook. If I can take advantage of what you do through Google and so on, and, and I don't understand how YouTube can help me, but but I know this is going on to YouTube and, and you know, it, it provides credibility for me and for, for, yes. for you when, when you end up on a YouTube video. And, and I want to learn more about how to, to take that to people who are now more open to saying, yeah, I'll, I'll deal with Mark, and I know I know I've only seen him on on Facebook or, or the web, but I now I, I'm I'm building trust with him because he's posting enough stuff, he's doing enough things, he's, he's it, gaining enough press credibility. Absolutely, it's trust, it's rapport building. I I used to share an office many many years ago with a guy who had a video production company, and he helped a swimming pool company create about two hours worth of video. I think it was about thirty little videos that were up on their website as frequently asked questions. And within weeks, they would have people coming into their physical store, chatting to the sales guy, going, oh, I feel like I know you, and uh, we've just met. And but, I've, but I've watched two hours of you talking at me, explaining all these things about the pools and the filters and the thing and how we choose and which one to, I feel like I know you. Um, and that was just, it was an afternoon's worth of filming um, run a few ads. You can you can run ads for cents on the dollar on YouTube because so yeah. few businesses are on YouTube. Not to wander off on that tangent as well, but it is a yeah. wonderful resource for building that that personal brand. Or and, and I'm not a branding guy, right? I'm I'm a direct response guy. Yeah. But you know, but branding my idea around branding has changed a bit over the past couple of years, mainly to to an amazing guy, by the way. If I can plug a book, uh, Rory Sutherland, Alchemy, unbelievable. He's the co chairman i think of ogilvy uk um okay. he reads the book and he is the absolute dead set like ad agency guy you know three martini lunch guy that, that you would be picturing right now very plummy voice absolutely yeah. lovely lovely guy um and he's there's a video series that, that you can buy afterwards if you want to and the very first video there's lots of little short videos the very first video you're about 90 seconds in he goes oh and we're gonna have to stop filming there my gnt has arrived and <laughs> fade to black, cuts back in, and a much happier Rory Sutherland is standing there with a G&T, clink, 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 sitting with the Thames behind him, chatting away to the camera. And it's just, it's so on point. It is just well, well, it's, and, and wonderful. Such, it's a lovely book. And, and relationship. When we, when we finish this, do you mind putting a link on, on, on Facebook under the of video, course. if you don't mind? Thanks, Mike. And, of course. Uh, that'll be great. 
Now, there's something else you, you've talked about, and I'm trying to cover as many things as I can because you, you just, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you I'm a fan. I'm fascinated by you. But you're talking about one of your passions is artificial intelligence and machine learning. So mm. let's talk about, I mean, that's such a key part of whether it's, you know, Siri, Google, Facebook, all, yeah. all these uh, things. It's all about machine learning. But tell me, how, how are you using this and, and how's this passion of yours helping your clients and customers? Yeah, so that came about because it was very clear that that was the future of Google. And asking myself the question about getting put out of business, um, a, a guy that we both know, Peter Diamandis, talks about you know, in 10 years, there are going to be businesses based on AI or you're going to be out of business. Yeah, for him, it's that black and white. The, the divide is going to be there. And Google had to be persuaded of the power of AI by the smartest guy you've never heard of, a guy called Andrew Ng. Back in 2011, he was the guy that brought machine learning to Google, then went on to found Coursera, which just floated for a few billion. So he's doing all right now. But machine learning is going to change the world because data. We are creating more data than we ever have. There's more data than us humans can make sense of. So I went pretty deep down this rabbit hole four or five years ago. Google have an amazing course. Another link I will share after this. But Please the the crash course to machine learning, Google's crash course to machine learning. I believe they put every employee through it. You don't have to be a coder to go through it, but you can get the basic concepts of machine learning, roughly how it works, and start to see those opportunities of then how you might start to use this in your business or in businesses that you work with. I mean, you talk about bushies. I mean, some of the stuff that machine learning is doing in agriculture right now is mind-blowing. When picture a, a combine harvester going down a field with a bunch of cameras and sensors on the back, and it's looking at all the seedlings that it's driving over the top of and going, no, nah, not that one, no, nah, not that one, oh, that one. Give it a little spray, chuck a bit of fertilizer in there, just the right amount of water, and individually picking out which seedling to look after and which ones to ignore. So the yield from that paddock now so much better, like a 90% reduction in water, which is pretty important in Australia. Wow. Now, it's, it's crazy, but every single industry is getting impacted by this. So yeah, I find it absolutely fascinating. So I sort of want to understand how, and I'm not an AI engineer, but I want to start to understand how a Google engineer is thinking about this stuff, because then it helps me understand why they do what they do, you know, the changes that they're making every three minutes, which helps me teach everybody else what's coming and what to be aware of and how the game is going to change. And obviously, so we can get the best results for our clients. Now, Google have been pushing it really, really hard for a long time. Uh, probably, I think it's safe to say, before it was ready. So very roughly, the way Google works is brilliant engineers come up with a new idea, but we need data. Right, sales guys. Go sell this. Let's incentivize the sales guys to get enough people using this new thing so we got the data back so we know, yes, that was a brilliant idea, or oops, maybe not, no, run away. So that's, sometimes that's the can, ready fire aim theory, is it? Ready right? fire aim. Oh, absolutely. You know, like look at Microsoft's history of rolling out software. It's kind of ready. That's all right. They'll find the bugs and they'll let us know. But when you're We're a small not business. Talk about vaccines today, though, okay. Okay, yeah, right. But when you're a small business and you're spending your, your two grand a month, five grand a month, 10 grand a month on ads, you can't afford for there to be a 20% gap in that where 
were just trying a new thing and oh, sorry, it didn't work. So we've been testing. We've got some clients that want us to push the limits and try all the new things when they come out. And then we have clients at the other end of the scale who are quite conservative and no, 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 let's only use it once you've tested that on a bunch of other people. So we've been pushing back pretty hard against Google for the past three years of, yep, yeah, we use this bit, but no, not that. No, no, I know you really want us to use that. And yes, I know you're not going to get your bonus if we don't use it, but tough. We are going to do what's best for our clients, not what's best for Google. And then starting to adopt those when they're completely ready, when we know they're going to get a better result. Continually testing. We're not sticking our head in the sand and going, humans are better because Kasparov did that playing chess and uh, the best guy in the world at Go said that just before his machine uh, beat him in 2014. I'll never be beaten by a cold, hard machine. Oops. Yes, you will. So we, we're not putting our heads in the sand, but we are using the AI when we know that it's going to get a better result. And yeah, right now it is pretty phenomenal. Uh, it is baked into everything in Google, whether that's writing a Google Doc and it finishes your sentence for you, whether that's picking the next video to suggest to you on YouTube, and obviously the Google Ads system with billions of people searching every day to decide which ads to show you, it almost knows which ones you're going to click on before you know what you're searching for. It's which, which, getting which that is, good. It's very, very scary. And, but but I, mean, I mean, in its simplest form, I mean, uh, Grammarly and those sorts of things that, yes. uh, you know, when you're doing your Google documents and it knows the context, it doesn't just know whether it should be your, your or your, it actually knows the context of the sentence and it knows which is the right one to, to put in, doesn't it? You know, exactly. And, and in a nutshell, it is basically it's predicting the next little thing and it's yeah. using data to make that prediction rather than rules. So, you know, we all learned those rules in school of when to use your, your and your or there, there and there. There are rules for that. But when you yeah. try and do that in language, those rules hit a wall fairly quickly. And we're weird. What Google have discovered is that 15 percent of the searches they see every day, it's never seen before. So how do you write rules for stuff that you've never seen before? And we're using voice more and more. We're speaking to our assistants around the house and on our phones. So we're searching in different ways than we've searched before. And Google discovered that, well, we can't keep trying to write rules for all these different things. Machine learning, on the other hand, if we give it enough data, if we throw enough examples at it, it will find the patterns in that without having to be taught. Uh, you may have heard of this thing, GPT-3, came out around the middle of last year. It's essentially just a text prediction machine that's going to annoy an awful lot of AI purists out there, but it's basically just predicting the next word. But it is doing so so remarkably that it was able to write code as well as write poems or do maths or, you know, it was writing essays, basically. There are all sorts of um, newspaper articles out there supposedly written by this machine. They have been edited by humans as well. And some of the cherry picked examples were incredible. Um, a lot of times it doesn't work very well, but the machine is still getting better and better and better. You know, I'd, so we had GPT-2 about a year before, GPT-3 last year. What GPT-5 or GPT-25 will be able to do is mind boggling. I mean, the, there is no intelligence there. There's no consciousness. They don't know anything about what they're writing, Just but they're able to write as if a human has written it. And if we can't tell the difference, 
you know, then we're, now we're into philosophy and does it really matter? And if you can't tell the difference, does it really matter if a human wrote it or a machine? But it matters to the humans that are getting replaced. Well, in, in its simplest form, I even know, you know, when you're using your iPhone and you're texting someone, actually, if you, uh, if, if once you've texted two or three words, it actually starts to assume what the next word's going to be in that little bar across the top. Yeah, so, yeah. And sometimes because, I've actually... Because it's data, right? Just going tack, tack, tack and... You're just throwing enough enough data at it and it will find the patterns in there. We all think we're such special snowflakes, but we all kind of, in large numbers, we all behave in remarkably predictable ways. Mike, you, you touched on Peter Diamandis and I love the podcast that he and Dan do, uh, Dan Sullivan do, Yeah, uh, and, and listen to that uh, you know, as regularly as I possibly can. But you, you, you quoted him before. Say it again, please. What? What he predicted in regard to there'll be there'll be businesses that use there are businesses that are using AI and there'll be businesses that are out of business. Yeah, yeah. For him, that's the divide. And so I, I got into AI four or five years ago because I believed that we as an agency, I, I believe that was the next evolution for us as an agency would be helping businesses become AI businesses. But I fairly quickly realized that in order to be an AI business, you first need to be an analytics business. You, you, you must be making decisions based on data. And in order to be an analytics business, you have to value data. You have to be collecting it, storing it, cleaning it, thinking about what data might we as a business need. What would we love to be able to predict? There's another question for you. But what would we love to be able to predict if only we had a machine that was smart enough to do that. And then you start thinking about, well, what's, what's the data we need to start collecting that maybe one day will enable us to make that prediction. But let's start collecting that data now. Let's start trying to use some of that data now. We're not going to be able to predict that thing perfectly. We're not going to be able to predict a global pandemic, but we can start to predict how certain customers are going to behave or who's going to churn or who's going to be our best Customers, simple example for you. If you're a, a retail website, if somebody buys five different T-shirts, all the same size, all different colors, they're probably a very good customer. But if somebody buys five pairs of shoes, exactly the same pair of shoes in five different sizes, they're probably going to be returning four of them. And if you were able to grab that data at the moment of purchase and make a prediction about that maybe the, the, the likelihood of a lifetime value of this brand new customer, and then you were able to feed that back into your ad machine and say, yep, more of the t-shirt guy, less of the shoe guy, please. The machine will point us in the right direction. See, ah, um, um, one more we thought. Could talk, we that. could talk all day about this, Mike. I'm I know, I know. Um, one last thought then on that is essentially what the machines are going to be able to do is get incredibly good at answering the questions. They are going to get very, very good at predicting the next little thing. So the cost of prediction goes down, the accuracy of prediction goes up, the speed of prediction gets much, much shorter. So our job as humans, just to tie it all back together, is asking the right questions. The machines are going to get good at answering. We have to point the machines in the right direction, and we do that by asking the right questions of the data of the machines. You, you are you're a whiz because you know I was just listening to you and I thought, wow, what a great segue to bring this all back in together to come back to. It's all about the questions you ask. It's not about 
what you tell people, and, and you're absolutely right, the better we are at asking, you know, with all this data information and knowledge that's out there in the world in regard to machine learning, AI, and so on, it's knowing the question to ask to uh, to get the right response, isn't it? And that's uh, it, it. Absolutely is. What are you optimizing for? Is another way of asking that, right? What do you, What are you? And and far for far too long, we've been optimizing businesses for profit. We optimize our countries for GDP, and maybe that's the wrong question to ask. You know, maybe people and planet matter more than net profit. Yeah, yeah, look, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm a great believer in, Mike, and I know you are as well, is uh, what, what is the value that, that each person is, uh, can bring to the world? I mean, how, how do each of us become more valuable? Uh, you know, I, I, mm. sadly, I, in some ways, I see a tendency towards a lot more consumerism at the expense of creativity. And, mm. uh, and I think what the world needs is more creativity. Uh, and that's where we're going to have a that's where we're going to have a better world and, and greater opportunity. Mike, I, yeah. I, I just loving that I'd talk to you for another hour if I could, but I, I better limit this. So let's uh, to throw back to uh, to you and what you do. What are the what are the ideal? What's an ideal client for you? Who who are people that you'd love if they've watched this? Who are the people that you'd love to get in contact with uh, with your business, Mike? So we love growing businesses, but I don't like trying to convince people. I am not a salesman at all. So the ideal business for us is someone that already realizes that Google, Facebook can work for them. In fact, already are working for them. They're already spending at least five grand a month on Google or Facebook ads. Our sweet spot's probably, I'd say 20 grand to 200 grand a month, but that freaks a lot of people out. Five grand a month's fine, but if you're already spending that and you're already seeing results, but you've kind of got this inkling that it you could be better, yeah. then yeah, then that's our ideal because you already are convinced of the power of this. You just you know you're running around like a headless chook with twelve different hats on. You don't want to have to think about this. You don't want anybody in your team to try and keep up with this, which is a full time job to keep up with all of the changes. You're just going to say, look, you guys handle it for me, please. You know, we've got one client I speak to her regularly and she says, you know, I'm spending $2 million a year with, with you guys, well, really with Google, that's not our fee, with Google and, and we charge her a little bit to manage that and I just trust that you're going to do the right thing. Just keep doing it, please, because my whole business relies on that. So, so Mike, do you take, say someone like me, for example, people will assimilate with what I do. So I've got a business. You know, I, I provide a consulting service to rural people in regard to succession planning and, and so on, uh, estate planning, succession planning. And, and I've found that using Facebook ads over the last 12 months has made a huge difference to my opportunity mm. in the world and, and business and so on. But, you know, if you ask me to, you know, to create a funnel, to write the ads, to do all this stuff, to, you know, my contribution is the words crazy as used rather than the words city folks use. They kind of, yeah. so I, I know what that is, but I, I have no idea in regard to any of the technical stuff, how to set up the ads, the funnels, all that sort of stuff. Does your, yeah. does your agency savvy, I mean, do you have people that do that sort of stuff for clients? or We can certainly got... refer you to other people. So we've chosen to, to stick to our knitting and focus yeah. just on the paid ads side of things because yeah. as we've discovered today, you know, we can go off on a million tangents and there's always sure. another piece of the puzzle. There's this email needs to be set up and properly done there's video there's the creation of the video there's the yeah. creation of the website itself so yeah we don't yeah. build websites we don't build yeah you know, landing pages you, we don't you would see someone like me off to one of your 
Yeah, we, we point in the right direction and say, we, yeah. we, we can't work with that as is. You know, go work on that first. Don't pay us anything yet. Once you've got yes. that fixed, come back and see us in a couple of months, and then yeah. we can run ads to that. We are tending to work more on the e-commerce side these days than lead generation, but we still have a, a huge number of clients that, yeah, lead generation website. But the point of your website is somebody lands there and you end up with an email address and maybe some information about that person. Then what comes next? How do you follow up with that person? So, yeah, our job is getting people to the website. But, yeah, yeah. we've got a, a, a good Rolodex of people we can send you to. Yeah, no, good on you, Mike. Look, loved having a conversation with you again today. You're just a fascinating guy. You're a, you're a good coach, disciple as well. So we're, we're on the, the same team there. But but look, it's, it's been great chatting with you. I love that question. Uh, what do you, um, how do you become the business which would put your current business out of business? And I mean, that in itself is fantastic. And the other, the other one, which we didn't get to is what's the real game that you're playing? In other words, and, and that's so introspective as well, you know, really to dig mm. down and find out, you know, what business are you really in? And, and that's a key key question as well, too. Mike, and also on a, on a personal level, I, I think that question too, you know, what's the game you're playing? What's the real game you're playing? Doesn't yeah. necessarily apply to your business. It's, you know, why do you do what you do? Yeah, which yeah. is very important. Mate, thank you. Love uh, love chatting with you. Please put those links, if you wouldn't mind, on the uh, this when we're finished. So uh, great chatting well, and look forward to talking again soon. See Thanks, you, Mike. Mark. Cheers, Bye. mate.